Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So on this episode, I am interviewing the lovely Chris Rogers. Chris is the co-founder at Private Practice Surgery, which is a newly developing company providing marketing for consultant physicians and surgeons. So in this episode, Chris gives us his top tips to improve our private practices. And even if you're not a consultant physician or a surgeon, I think we can apply these tips to whatever areas that we're working within. We also talk about sales and how some may feel like having a private practice is kind of going against the NHS ethos. Chris also gives his kind of number one tip to anybody thinking about starting a business up themselves. And then Chris also asked me some questions around productivity and just how I manage things. I think we're always looking for tips. We're always looking to see how other people manage their day and how they get things done. So we have a little bit of a chat about that, which I hope is helpful to you guys too. So enjoy. I really appreciate Chris's time. There's lots of valuable advice for anybody on their business journey. And if you do fall into Chris's kind of target market, please do contact him. His contact details will be found in the show notes. So hi, Chris. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So our paths crossed on LinkedIn. It was, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a mutual connection with sharing a post about your podcast, actually, which is how I oh. found out about you. Okay, cool. So could you share with our audience and listeners, what is it that you do and just a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So I've worked in healthcare marketing for most of my career. And it's actually been really funny for me listening to your podcast as I can almost sort of track my career against some of your guests. I used to work for a pharmaceutical regulatory affairs consultancy. So it was really interesting to hear Wayne Middleton talking about readability tests and patient information leaflets and so that was a real trip down memory lane for me i also used to work for Booper home healthcare and again nicholas kelly mentioned that his mum used to work for them and that was the inspiration behind their business as well so i thought wow this is a great sort of coincidence and um it's a small world it's a big world it's a small world absolutely yeah and then i worked for bmi healthcare and i was just really interested in your uh questions and an interview with uh, shamina rabbi about the role of private healthcare within the sector and how sometimes it's it's viewed within healthcare and you know I found that really interesting because that resonated for me quite a lot while I was at, at BMI. 
and actually, and that's sort of where I am now in private healthcare. So uh, I help consultant doctors and surgeons grow a healthy private practice through better marketing. Now, I'm doing a bit of freelance work at the moment, but my passion project is launching private practice surgery, uh, which is a, a membership website for consultants where we'll teach, advise and, and help them market their practice more effectively to get more patients. So where did that come from? Where did you first see the need to help consultants to do that? It was actually an idea that I had while I was at BMI several years ago. I was sales and marketing manager for them across four different hospitals. And I just found myself sort of being quite stretched uh, across, you know, working for them all. And these hospitals would have had, you know, hundreds of consultants. And I could sort of feel the frustration of me not being able to sort of help them all because you just can't when you're across all of those different sites and hospitals with all the different services and everything. And yeah, I just sort of felt a bit of frustration on both sides. And, and I thought I would love to sort of be able to help as many consultants as I can rather than just the handful that you end up helping. And it was just interesting because I'd see sort of all sorts of consultants, really. So I'd see some new ones join and they'd be a bit surprised that we couldn't offer them a full clinic straight away and that they you know, didn't know how to grow their private practice. I saw consultants who were really nervous about promoting themselves and their practice because they were worried about what colleagues or former bosses might think or or even the perception of having a private practice, you know, in, in they were worried that people might think that this is somehow detrimental to the NHS and that they shouldn't really be doing it. And I just saw all of these things. And I just thought that's a real opportunity to sort of help. And, you know, marketing, I'm a bit of a marketing geek. I, I love that side of things. And yeah, that's sort of why I'm coming up with this, or I really like this membership model idea, because hopefully it will enable me to help lots of consultants rather than just a handful on a one-to-one basis, which is you know, generally what you'll get with a freelance consultant, I suppose. When a consultant comes to you and are, and says that they're nervous about promoting their private practice, how do you coach them through that and to let them know that that's okay? I think the first step really is is sort of trying to help them uh, understand that most of their worries are in their head. You know, I'm sure we've all, you know, you've done a podcast yourself on imposter syndrome and, <laughs> and you're worrying about what people think of you. And, yeah. you know, we all go through it at, at various stages. I think a lot of it is, sort of trying to get through that idea that actually most of it's in your mind most people don't really worry about that kind of thing so much you know outside looking in they're not sort of like looking at you going oh I can't believe they're doing that you know why would they do that or they're not good enough it's nothing like that at all so I think first step is sort of that mental hurdle I would say yeah yeah definitely I think it is really interesting I think when this airs we have we've recorded a three-part series on sales and selling right and I think people are just very, very nervous. But I think as a doc, well, I'm imagining as a doctor, as a consultant, they use, you know, they get paid for their service. Yeah, but I think sales does feel like a bit of a dirty word in, mm. in healthcare. And I'm, I'm sure you touch on that in your, in your yeah. series. And particularly, we're so lucky to have the NHS in this country, you know, free at the point of, of use. And I think going from that mindset, to then sort of right now I'm charging for my time I'm charging for my services it actually is quite a big leap so you can understand why doctors go through that I think so in your membership model what are you taking the consultants through so what we're looking to do within private practice surgery is we've sort of got our six sort of foundations of what makes a healthy private practice so the first three of those are around building a solid referral basis so whether that that's for your GPs and allied health professionals is number one Number two, referrers from your insurers. 
and then private hospitals being the third one, which was particularly where I've got a lot of experience having worked for them. So they're the first three parts of it. The next part is around the service providers. Uh, so there's so many people out there from review websites to patient booking sites, agencies. It's how to make the most of those. And I guess to use a, a sort of a simile for me, if I went to a mechanic and, and someone told me it cost £500 to replace my alternator, I wouldn't really have a clue, right? So, you know, there are some good mechanics out there and some not so good ones who might take advantage of my lack of knowledge. And in every industry, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting value for money and there might be some that maybe charge a little bit extra for something that doesn't need. So it's sort of understanding that kind of thing and making sure you're getting the most out of the platforms that are available to help them sort of promote and grow their practice. Number five is digital marketing, which is huge. I mean, you know, everything, websites, email, social, pay-per-click, search engine optimization, there's a million and one things you can learn to do. Even getting your, making the most out of your web profiles that you get with your, you know, on the hospital websites. There's so much to do within digital marketing. And a lot of that lends itself to the self-pay market as well. You know, that's how sort of patients are going to come across you. So there's a big, big part that we're looking to sort of help people with with digital marketing. And then finally, there's the sort of the, the strategy all around it. So even from, you know, we've just written our first course on how to write a marketing plan for your private practice. And it's learning about all the different sort of things and parts that you're involved in, you know, the, the strategy and the business administration side of, of running a practice as well. So there are sort of six foundations, really, of a healthy private practice. And you say we, who's we? Who else are you working with? So I'm working with a lady that I used to work with uh, at BMI, a lady called Carolyn Watson. She has lots of experience working in hospitals and working with consultants directly as well. So together, hopefully, we're a bit of a dream team. And when are you targeting just like a lone consultant? Because if they will have an NHS practice, they're developing their private practice, and then there is the business of developing their private practice. Do they have anybody helping them, or is the expectation that they can comfortably do this alongside delivering their clinical services? That's a great question. And you get consultants sort of with all sort of opinions on it. So, you know, I, I've seen some that, that don't even have a medical secretary, let alone a practice manager. And then I've seen some that are or work in a consortium and they've got lots of structures and, and processes in place. So really, I think particularly, especially at our early stages when we're, we're sort of, we're probably more aligned with the newer, younger ones who are just starting out and learning to put all these practices and processes in place. I think that's probably where we'll naturally align most with, but but actually we're, we're really ambitious and we've got lots of plans to to create platforms where they can actually do their marketing through our platforms as well. So we're hoping to then appeal to those later on that have got a slightly bigger practice. Do you, sounds harsh, do you practice what you preach? Do you have a marketing plan? Do you, have you that's got, a, you know, your digital footprint? Do have you got referrals? Are you doing pay for clicks? Are you doing all of that stuff? I, I'm so glad you asked because actually, <laughs> yeah, you, you do see that a lot where, you, you know, you see a lot of marketing experts out there who don't practice what they preach. So we haven't quite launched yet. So we're not, full on with, with ads and that kind of thing but absolutely yes we, we have our marketing plan we've got our strategy we know what we're going to do i'm building up my presence on on linkedin and, and creating content and taking advantage of great opportunities to, to get author blog posts and, and all sorts of different things like that and you know being on this podcast as well so yeah i'm trying to practice what i preach because it's all about authenticity i think there's so many sort of 
don't know, dodgy marketing gurus out there that I, I wouldn't trust. And that's just sort of not me at all. So yeah, I'm trying to be as authentic and genuine and, and practice what I preach. Absolutely. When do you launch? That's the million dollar question. So if I'm being completely honest, I would hope to have launched by now, but the 12 months we've had and private healthcare pretty much being on its knees and closing down for, for certain some months you know, through the year, we've not quite launched a, to plan as I would have hoped. So the plan will be that it'll be quarter one this year, 2021. Okay. So in the next couple of months, is the, the ideal. And what has been, so obviously the pandemic has been a challenge for everybody. But outside of, I mean, that huge huge elephant, what has been the biggest challenge about setting up your own business and going it alone? And what led you to want to take the leap? That's quite a difficult question. The pandemic has just been so big. You know, of course, the NHS block booked all the private hospitals, private practice pretty much shut down for a big period of time last year. Patients didn't want to go in. So of course, it's not really appropriate for me to be going full guns blazing talking to consultants about you know what they might need and what they're going to do to grow a private practice so it has been tricky from that perspective can I just interrupt mm. some would say so I straddle health like healthcare, and then the world of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. yeah. and in the world of business and entrepreneurship they're saying if your business is slow at the moment this is the perfect time to get ready and strategize and build your plans and network. So whilst it may feel, and I think at the very beginning, lots of people felt like they didn't want to sell because it's a difficult time, but we're going to be living like this for a really long time. And we all can't just say, oh, we're not going to sell because we're in a pandemic. Mm. So some would argue this is the right time. So you're absolutely right. And you're right. You've got a full spectrum of people who are, oh, don't talk to me right now. I can't deal with this right now. You know, all the way through to, yeah, I'm putting in all my plans and processes and and really planning. So you're right. There is a spectrum. And we're lucky that we have spoken to enough people on the end who who are sort of thinking, great, what can I do? What can I learn? For me as a, you know, as an individual, I said that I'm doing a bit of freelancing at the moment. So to just sort of pick up some clients and pick up some work this year from private consultants has been a success in itself, I suppose. So yes, there are people out there who are looking at things and doing things. And I suppose in a way, because of my timing, I was always going to be spending a big chunk of 2020 learning and developing the proposition. So yes, I suppose I was never going to launch and and sell hard in 2020 anyway or for a lot of it so yeah I think in a way the timing has helped me because there are some consultants who suddenly had some time available where they were open to talking and and discussing things so it's been good from from that perspective but you know there's lots of things that go into sort of launching a business as you know so some have been sped up some have been slowed down a bit so yeah I think it's just it is what it is, and uh, yeah. we're not too far off off schedule. But that's that's just how it is, I think. And what led you to set up your bit mm. to start on on your own? Yeah, I mentioned that uh, I worked in healthcare marketing for for most of my career. If I'm being completely honest with you, that probably wasn't always by choice. My first job was was fantastic, and that was within the healthcare and pharmaceutical sector. And I don't want to tar all recruitment consultants with the same brush, but I, I felt that many took the easy option and just put me forward for other healthcare related jobs. And the more I did, the, the easier or harder it was to, to leave healthcare. And in a way, I felt that I'd 
been sort of pushed down this avenue and and at every stage of job moving I'd always said I'd like to try something different I'd like to do something different at the beginning of 2018 I actually had the opportunity of going to be a head of marketing at a financial services group specialist financial services and did that for two years this group of three companies and very different to healthcare absolutely loved it it did it you know it scratched that itch for me in terms of wanting to try a different sector and, and learn something new but actually, I found myself thinking, oh, I actually can't miss healthcare. And yeah, so I thought I've always wanted to have my own business as well. And I just thought, you know, I'm starting to miss it. I think in my personal life, actually, as well. So I just got married at the end of 2019. We were very lucky to get our honeymoon in at the very beginning of, of 2020. And I don't know, just feeling sort of happy and content at home and and uh, just feeling like I, I, I missed healthcare and I just decided to, to go for it. It just felt like the right time, I suppose. So that's it's, what really led me to it. And is running a business what you thought it would be? I know you're early on, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good question too. It, it, I guess it's a bit difficult in terms of, you know, with the pandemic as well. I didn't imagine I'd be working from home at the kitchen table every day. It's going to sound naive because, you know, I've always been a, a business sort of studies person at, at school, university. I've always loved business and entrepreneurship and read all around it. But, you know, so you'd think I'd know. It almost makes me sound a bit naive, but it, it's definitely harder than, than you think. But actually, every win you get just feels so much bigger and, and better for it. And you know, every pound that I've earned for myself through my own business has felt so much better than a pound that I've got through for a paycheck working for somebody else it's a shame that sort of inflation on that pound I can't pay for my mortgage as well but you know it, it just feels better yeah so I, I'm just, really enjoying it and just to dig in a little bit more what is so much harder there's just so much to do right? I'm just sort of really buzzing with ideas I'm a bit impatient so I want to do everything now and having to try and sort of plan everything out across a year rather than go, oh but this is a really great idea I really want to do that I find that sort of a bit of a challenge um, you have to wear so many different hats, uh, as I'm sure you know. You know, one minute I'm talking to you on a podcast, next minute I'm trying to design the website, next minute I'm creating social media content, and you know, or filing the invoices, that, you know, or, or whatever it is. So there's so many different hats, and you've got to switch from thing to do, you know, thing to thing. And some of it's more enjoyable than others, but you, you still got to get get it done. And it's, I think that classic uh, wearing all the hats, sort of startup, small company. You know, I say it's hard, but at the same time, I love it as well because yeah. it's it's what I've wanted to do for a long time, and now I'm doing it. And uh, so, yeah, trying to take it as you know as, as a positive for all, all the things I'm doing, even if I don't always want to be filing the the invoices. <laughs> well, you do want to be filing the invoices. Yeah, well, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. be the HR person. Tell me when I'm slacking off. You know? <laughs> what has been the biggest highlight? The highlight for me, I think, actually, has been the people. So when I first sort of announced on social media that that this is what I was looking to do, this, you know, I started doing a bit of freelancing and I was launching a private practice surgery. I've been so like taken aback and and so chuffed with how many brilliant people have have got in touch to offer words of advice or encouragement or you know some wisdom and and just been really supportive and people going out of their way to do it. It's been fantastic. People that I didn't even know. Have just seen me and said, "Oh, this sounds really interesting. You know, that maybe we can work together later on." And it's led to so many great conversations. And this is part of the. Oh, I've got so many ideas just buzzing around now. I've got to try and just. I can't do them all at the same time. I've got to just plan them out. 
and me being impatient I you know I do want to do it all now which is a challenge but part of the fun as well so it's, it's definitely been the people and actually yeah to sort of celebrate me announcing what we were doing with private practice surgery and also to raise my profile a little bit as well I created a competition and I'm still so chuffed at all the amazing sort of brands and companies and people that wanted to get involved and offer a prize we had this prize of we called it the ultimate private practice marketing sort of bundle and you know we had pr people we had um you know great companies like dr fi and my health specialist and and all these different people wanting to get involved and yeah it just it's a little bit humbling actually when you think i'm I'm a relative unknown this is the first time i'm stepping out to do this and the people have just been fantastic for me that's been the highlight absolutely so would you be able to give our listeners like your top three tips on how they can improve their private practice? What could they start doing immediately after this podcast? Well, I think the first thing I would look at is some of the free options that you have. So, you know, if you've got private practicing privileges at, at a hospital, you'll probably have your web profile there for example so go and and talk to your sales and marketing manager from that hospital understand what it is that you can do to improve that and maybe for it to appeal to people more and then while you're at it while you're speaking to them understand if there's any sort of marketing campaigns that you can get involved with you know speak to them about how the hospital deals with unnamed referrals that kind of thing so there's lots of sort of stuff you can do within the hospital and you know working with them like I say sometimes if you're in a hospital and you're, you've got hundreds of consultants and you're a sales and marketing manager, you just want to make life easy for yourself. So if you've got someone who's coming to you proactively with, with content or for a social post or a blog post or happy to get involved and make your life easier in coming up, you know, in the hospital campaigns, then you're going to get some more attention from them than perhaps another consultant who is not quite as proactive about it. So, you know, I would definitely just look at the options within your hospital, speak to your, your marketing manager and yeah work with them and, and see what you can do so uh, and again that's all sort of free really that's on the on the hospital's dime so to speak so it's definitely a good tip i think most consultants will probably have a, a relationship with Booper. so again you've got your free profile from that perspective as well and it's interesting most people don't know that so the, the Booper finder tool which is their online directory is actually just a bit like a, a search engine really and it um it works on an algorithm and you've got to tick a, a number of boxes and if you do all that, then you're going to be higher up in the search results than a consultant that hasn't done that. So, you know, it's, it's understanding that. So, again, just speak to the consultant relations manager or contact you have or, you know, sort your uh, profile, get that up to date. Absolutely. And the third would be to look at your own online presence. You know, we all know that people Google everything. So make sure you've got a website that's going to be of interest to, to potential patients, make patients actually want to sort of click on that book appointment or get in contact button and i'll start looking into content marketing because like i say we google everything and we've got so many questions to do with our healthcare concerns and we google it all so be the person to answer those questions that's what i would say i mean they're three big big chunky things to do but you know that's that's a great starter for 10 uh, will help out a lot i think that's really helpful i think i really really like social media mm. and i would say when someone said to me like what's the last thing you googled and that the questions we google are so specific like you don't just say I'm looking for a jumper you're like I want a blue you know like 
I don't know, long line jumper. I, it has to be this certain material. Like you're, you've got in your mind of like a few shops, you know, like you've got in your mind a budget that you would like. We're very specific in what we're looking for. So I think when it comes to healthcare, you do want it to be specific, but you do want it to be readable. You don't want to be <laughs> bored, even though you're looking for the answer, but you want the information presented in a way that's going to keep your attention if it is quite a meaty, difficult topic. Absolutely. Yeah. I've just done a, a blog post for Doctify, actually, which is a, a review website. And they've got a fantastic blog. They get lots of you know guest authors uh, writing for them. But I talked in this blog post about a website called answerthepublic.com. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a fantastic site. So you can basically, it sort of aggregates information from Google searches and autocomplete. So you can put in a search term and it will visually show you all the questions people ask about your that particular search term. So if you type in frozen shoulder or, or whatever it is that you, you know, really want to see those types of patients, all the questions people ask about frozen shoulder are there. And that's it's just a minefield. It's a real treasure trove. I should say, of great things that you can answer in your content marketing or in your social media posts. Um, but one thing, I suppose, it's, I don't know if it's a tip, but it's one thing I'm learning is that you can find the specific questions people are looking for and you can answer them, but it's answering them in a way that gets the other person to move, to do something, to feel something. And we don't all have that expertise. We think we do because we can all write, yeah. but we can't all produce attention grabbing content no you're right and uh, you know that's a whole field of marketing communications is, is that copywriting um yeah, yeah it, it is a skill absolutely but it is one that can be learned it's one that can be cultivated and you can learn from from other people that are doing well see what they do see how they structure a post and you know even within a social media post your first line is pretty much your headline you can, you can think of of it as a piece of copy, as a blog post or an article that you're, you're writing, you know, think of it like, right, well, the headline is there to make people click on that see more button. So you pull up the rest of the post and, and, and read the rest of it. And yeah, writing in an engaging way is, is, is tricky. But like I say, it's, there are people out there who can do that for you, but it's also a, a learned skill as well, I would say. And I think there's something really nice on Instagram where people just, they've just used their video. So they don't have to worry about writing. You know, that there is, obviously they do have a website behind them that, it's the consultant that sells it. Absolutely, absolutely. And but I think you're absolutely right because if you're looking for a consultant for a particular procedure, I think that they can do that procedure for you really well. It's like a, a you know, it's a hygiene factor. You sort of expect that of every consultant that's got a private practice and, and is out there. You sort of expect that. So actually it's what takes you over that to make a patient want to book with you. And a lot of that is about the experience that they offer and if they can sort of feel like they can relate to the consultant as well on a personal level i think so yeah getting that personality across so yeah a video is is often a lot easier way to do that i don't know it, it's horses for courses some people are much better expressing themselves through through writing some people are, you know feel yeah. awkward on video but actually others might really thrive on it so you've got to find the medium that works best for you and then and then run with it and it's a bit like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym once and go, well, why aren't I super fit? Why can't I run a marathon? Yeah. You know, you've, you've actually just got to persevere. And it's not always the, the sexy answer. People want instant results, but perseverance, consistency are, are a big key for, for marketing success. What is your method of communication of choice? What do you prefer doing? What do you really do not like doing? I try and be market-led, right? So I'm trying to, you know, uh, being the marketing geek that I am, I'm trying to sort of figure what works best for people 
that I want to communicate with as well. So I'm trying to do lots of different styles at the moment just to see what really resonates. But I'll be honest, I, I don't enjoy being in front of a camera. No. Um, <laughs> sort of thinking uh, on my feet and, uh, you know, I end up wanting to like write a whole script and then I, you know, comes across as a bit stilted sometimes. And But again, you know, even in the, the few that I've done, I can see the improvement over time and no one worries that if your first one is a bit stilted you know you just practice and you'll get better at it so just jump in I think you just got to keep going and and just try it but naturally it doesn't come easy for me being in front of a camera I asked this question when I interviewed Nicholas Kelly and it was something around the impact of running a business on your relationship so you've said you're recently married we're in a pandemic and you've gone, oh, I know, well, before the pandemic, I know I'm going to set up a business. And now you're working at the kitchen table. Like how has running a business impacted your relationship? I think I'm quite fortunate in to say that it, that it hasn't. We all have our moments of feeling slightly claustrophobic. Right? We're in a flat as well. So we're in a slightly smaller sort of property, I suppose. And my wife is a freelance copywriter and she already worked from home oh, anyway. Perfect. Could you yeah, work well, together? Yes. I'll tell you what, so she does a great deal of help helping with me edit my posts and, and things like that. It's it's fantastic to help with that. But yeah, you know, she has her own business as well. So I can't borrow her too much. Okay. <laughs> um, but as much, as, much as I'd like to. But yeah. So that makes a huge difference if she runs her own business. Yeah. So she actually understands it. She gets it. And, you know, in some ways, because she's already sort of taken over the spare room, that's sort of her her office. And I don't like working from the kitchen table. It's not great, but... You know, we're in our two separate rooms. Every now and then we'll come out for a tea break type thing. It's, <laughs> it's not like we're really under each other's feet. Okay. Um, so we don't really sort of wind each other too, up too much. And like I say, I'm very lucky that I've got someone to who's, who's so skilled at writing that she can sort of edit up my posts and, and make them a lot stronger than they, they would be otherwise. Can you switch off? No, personally, no, I'm terrible for it. I tried really hard over Christmas to just not look at anything I, I turned off LinkedIn and didn't look at my emails once and but you know I try and relax and, and read before I go to bed but as soon as I hit the pillow I, lots of ideas and my mind just starts buzzing again sometimes you know I have a bit of a nightmare trying to get to sleep I, I so I do struggle to to switch off but um I don't know it's, some of that's a good sign because you know I'm just so passionate about it and I've got, got so many ideas and, and as long as I've got a notepad next to me and I write them down I can sort of then try and forget it and then fall back off to sleep knowing that I won't forget the idea for forever but um yeah do you read business books uh, I do yes could yes. you recommend us one so I'm, I'm a big fan of content marketing so I would absolutely say uh, they ask you answer by Marcus Sheridan I actually haven't quite finished it myself yet but I, yeah I really love it, it and it, yeah I think it's fantastic uh, in really explaining the value of content marketing and I'm also reading a book called Content DNA, which is by a guy called uh, John Asperian, who's a of a LinkedIn expert guru, but he's a copywriter himself. Actually, he's a technical copywriter. And uh, he's put this book together at the end of last year as well, I think. And um, yeah, it's, it's full of some good tips. So they're, they're the two I've got on the go at the moment. Thank you. That's really, so you've given up, you've given us your three top tips and that is around, and correct me if I'm wrong, is for consultants looking to improve their private practice. So the first one is speak to their kind of current marketing manager in their hospital and utilize the free resources and expertise that's there. Absolutely. To kind of optimize and utilize Booper Finder to make sure their profile is complete and all looking polished and great. 
and then to develop their online and digital presence. Is that right? Yep, pretty much. It's easy for me to sit here and say it, but very difficult to go away and do it. But yes. It is. I think what another thing that really helps is just having, you know, having a friend that's in a similar position, especially at a similar stage, because you've got somebody to bounce ideas off. You can keep each other accountable and you've got somebody that, you know, can listen to this stuff all day long. I've got my friend Lisa. So that also really, really helps because sometimes it it's hard. I do understand that it's hard to get started if you feel like you're mm-hmm. on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we are looking to sort of implement. We want to test it with consultants, but we'd like to sort of add that sort of accountability side to private practice surgery as well, because, you know, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's really important. And this, yeah, accountability, encouragement, support. But, you know, it's also, it's, a, it's quite a competitive sector as well. So maybe people don't want to be openly sharing with, with people who aren't, you know. Maybe like somebody that doesn't live, somebody that's not a competitor, if yeah, they're not your really good friend. <laughs> or across the country or something like that. But yes, that's, that's something we're, we're, we're looking at doing with, within private practice surgery as well. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You asked me if I practiced what I preached earlier. So I don't really have that accountability buddy as such um, myself. So that's something I need to look at next, I think, other, other than my wife, of course. <laughs> okay, okay. And what piece of advice would you give to somebody thinking about setting up their own business? I think I'm a bit of a marketing geek. So I think I would always say, know your potential customer and know what it is that they need and and try and match up an offering to that, basically. So you know, obviously you've got a skill set, but you've got to make sure that you, that's something that people want and that you could present it in a way that's going to make them want to buy it from you over somebody else. So it's really, I would always say as a marketer, understand your customer. That's always the first step for me. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. So if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, thank you very much for having me. So you can find me at privatepracticesurgery.co.uk or Chris Rogers Marketing on LinkedIn. Excellent. We'll put your contact details in our show notes. Thank you so much. That's really helpful. Great stuff. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review. I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. It's really, really funny. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.